As a parent, do you fly by the seat of your pants? Or do you have a plan in place for setting curfews, teaching your kids how to manage their money? Who's gonna talk to them about the birds and the bees? Who's in charge of potty training? And all thousand and one decisions we have to make about raising our kids. On this episode of Brainy Moms, Terry and I interviewed Kristen Bucktell, author of the book, Noteworthy Parenting, how to use your own ideas to create your parenting roadmap. Kristen tells us the benefits of creating a parenting plan and some suggestions for what should be on it. She doesn't teach readers how to parent, but instead shows them how to get on the same page, how to empower your parenting, and how to gain the confidence to be the best parent you can be. Join us for this episode brought to you by Learning RX one-on-one brain training centers. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Brainy Moms. I'm your host, Dr. Amy Moore, here with my co-host, Terry Miller, who is going to introduce our guest today. We are so glad to have with us Kristen Bucktell. Kristen is a former elementary school teacher, a mom, and a grandma. After creating a parenting plan with her husband to help them get on the same page with their kids, Kristen realized the value of this parenting tool and decided to write and illustrate Noteworthy Parenting, a book to help others create their best parenting plans. She loves hiking in Colorado, a good red wine, and visiting the Denver Zoo with her family. We're so glad to have you with us today, Kristen. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk with you guys today. So before we get into hearing about what it is that you actually have written, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, um, I am a mom of four kids that are, they're adults now, young adults, um, and a grandparent to um, almost two. My daughter is due here very shortly. So that's very exciting news for us. Um, and as I was raising my kids with my husband, uh, we did get to a point where uh, our kids were approaching their teenage years. And we were really nervous about that time coming up. There was a lot of technology that had been developed and, um, you know, different topics that were starting to become worrisome. It it was one thing to raise younger kids, but as the kids started, you know, approaching those teenage years, we started getting nervous about that. And we happened to be on a road trip. We were coming home, uh, driving through Iowa. And I turned to my husband and asked him, you know, what, how were you raised as a teenager? And um, we found out that, you know, we had been married all these years, but we didn't realize how differently we had been raised as teenagers. I had a curfew. He did not. I had to have a job in high school. He didn't. Um, My parents paid for my college education. His did not. And realizing that at this turning point, of our lives was a big deal because thinking we weren't going to be on the same page, especially when your kids are becoming teenagers was just kind of a big aha moment. Um, So as we drove on this, this trip, we started talking about what the plans would be for our kids and coming together on some of those topics and issues that we anticipated we were going to have down the road. And it turned into turning, it turned into creating a parenting plan, um, a kind of a, a sloppy, you know, notebook full of notes. My husband eventually typed it out, but it turned out to be the best parenting compass that we had. 
And the funny thing about it is I, I went back to school, got my master's degree. I taught first grade and other parents, um, people I worked with, people that would come to parent-teacher conferences, um, as I would mention this little plan, loved the idea. Not that they wanted my parenting advice or my notes per se, but they love the idea of doing that for themselves. And so over time, my husband and I um, talked about putting it into a book form, and that's where um, I am today. I, I wrote and illustrated a book to help parents create their own parenting plans. So uh, first of all, I think that's a phenomenal idea and probably something that most of us don't think about until we're disagreeing about something related to the kids. Mm -hmm. So how much disagreeing did you do in creating the plan? (laughs) That's a good question. (laughs) That is a really good question because I think one of the bigger topics was um, the curfew. And Mm -hmm. because I grew up with a curfew, I felt like that was really a necessity for the kids. And my husband didn't feel like it was. And the funny thing about it was um, he was right. <laughs> Don't tell him I said that. But, um, <laughs> he, we didn't use it as much. And I don't know if that's due to the fact that kids um, nowadays have to go through so much more driver's ed training. It took longer for them to get their driver's licenses they were involved in more activities than we were as uh, when we were in high school. Um, you know, we just didn't really use that piece of it as much as we thought we would. But he was, um, we did agree to have one. And we did use it occasionally, but really didn't use it very much. So, you know, there was that. For the most part, we didn't have too many things that we were um, really far apart on. And we're yeah, I think the fact that you just, you say, you know, this is how I was raised. These are the reasons I feel like this would be a good thing. My husband would say that and you kind of negotiate it out. I think what helped is we weren't doing it in the heat of the moment. I do think right. if we would have said, you know, our daughter came home and said, I'm going to go out tonight and I'm going to, you know, and I would have said, you need to be home at, you know, 1130 at night. And then she went to my husband and he said, yeah, I'll come home whenever then it would have been a big deal it's because I would have felt undermined. He may have felt undermined at some point. And so that's when I think it turns into a huge deal. Right. Absolutely. I think, I think the curfew issue is an ongoing battle um, between parents and between parents and kids. And we, we did not have curfews with our children. Um, I had a very strict curfew growing up and my husband did not have any. And I hated my curfew so much that I said, you know what, we're going to trust our kids until they give us a reason not to trust them. And so as long as we know where they are and who they're with, it's okay. And they never broke that trust and it worked out, although we have all boys. So um, not, not necessarily as worrisome as where your daughter might be. I don't know. Um, But Terry, you're looking at me. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, yep, that you're exactly right. That it's, I mean, it seems silly, but there is, there were more worries, you know, when you know that your daughter's been at a party and then don't hear from her for two hours. Cause we did um, a lot of like with the curfew thing, we did more on a case by case basis. And so that it was like, 
hey, well, if this thing is going on tonight and you don't have anything going on in the morning, you know, that's okay. We know you're going to be with these friends. Just check in at this time. And so we would say, just call, just check in. Because my whole thing was always, I don't want to go to bed and wake up at midnight terrified. It was always, don't make me worry. Just don't leave me worrying. Yeah. <laughs> so, so just what you're saying, but it is interesting. I mean, I'm remembering and like right now with my teenage son, I worry way less and maybe that's terrible, but I worry less about him being out with friends or being in Colorado Springs than I do my daughters, you know, than I did when my daughters were that age, you know, anyway. So did you, and yeah. did you and Kevin like have a plan for this? ahead of time? Or did you agree on that? Or was this something that you kind of decided on the fly? Uh, yeah, we didn't agree on anything ahead of time. So there was no plan. <laughs> there was no plan. Unfortunately, that's why your book is so fantastic and so phenomenal. And I would be full of stories. And this is so great. And I can be the poster child of how you can mess it up. <laughs> no, I mean, there were lots of things we were intentional about. But so speaking of that, just talk to our listeners. We're talking about parenting plan. What is a parenting plan? What is it that you're talking about? And why is it so helpful and necessary? And I know you generally talked about your process, but just kind of give an overview. And what should be sure. on it? Like what yeah, types sure. of things? Such a good question. So a parenting plan is really thinking ahead about, I like to say, kind of your big worries, the things that, you know, you don't want to fall through the cracks. So some examples of those would be, you know, maybe you're concerned about giving your your um, child their first cell phone or their first iPhone or whatever, and you want to have some parameters around that. So you think ahead of time um, about how you want to present that, what child protection, you know, things you'll put on that, et cetera. It could be that you want to make sure you teach your kids the value of volunteering. So you want to plan ahead and make sure that you lay out some uh, opportunities and put some things on your calendar so that that doesn't fall through the cracks. It's about um, helping your kids learn to be financially um, stable as you send them out into the world. So instead of when they turn 18 saying, here's all the financial things you need to learn and here's a checkbook and here's a credit card and and here's how you manage your finances, you break that up into pieces and spread it out over time. You know, having the sex talk these days isn't just about talking about the birds and the bees. It's talking about going through puberty. It's talking about, um, you know, LGBTQ topics. It's talking about all things that could be sexual harassment, different things that are, you know, obviously not all in one talk. But how are you going to spread that out over time, starting with, you know, your body's going to change and moving on down the line. So I think that, um, you know, I tell parents to generally start with your top three um, concerns that you have. So what are the things that you worry about the most or what are the things that are most important to you? Sit down, lay out a plan. I, I suggest having a notebook or an app or something that is done in sections by age so that um, it's easy for you to reference. Or if you find a good idea for a 16-year-old and you still have an eight-year-old, you can just jot that down in your notes and refer to it later. So it's basically just your best laid plans, ideas, 
thoughts, wisdom. It could be snippets out of parenting books or a snippet from a great podcast like this one, or it could be um, advice you got from a friend in your parenting network that you don't want to forget. So it puts you and whoever's helping you raise your kids, a spouse or childcare um, givers, it puts you on the same page. Um, and as your kids get older, they can help you with some of the plans, how to um, teach them to do chores, set the table, and then they, maybe they move into cooking and, and what kinds of things would they like to learn? Or if there's consequences, maybe they have some say in that. And it's all in one spot. So you can't say you didn't know about it or um, we didn't talk about it etc. So it's what works for each individual family and parent to help them think ahead so that they're not parenting in the heat of the moment. They aren't parenting by the seat of their pants. Obviously, we can't do it for every topic, but the ones that you do know, at least you have a good foundation. And I think it builds confidence in parents. Absolutely. So a couple things came to mind. One, do you talk about the division of labor as well? Like who's, which parent is going to talk about which topics mm-hmm. and, and annotate that? Or do you just it, decide as you go? I would say that would be an excellent thing to do. So you know ahead of time that you're going to be the one, you know, maybe the dad talks with his sons about his growing and changing they're growing and changing bodies. Maybe the mom talks with the daughters. You know ahead of time. So then dad's prepared, mom's prepared, you know, however that works for you. I, in my family, my husband travels a lot for his work. So I actually did that for the boys and the girls. Probably the boys may regret that. Um, but it, you know, it, it, it worked for us. So I think you have to find the system that's going to work for you. And if that's a part of your plan to say, you're going to, you know, you're going to, I did the potty training. So I told my husband, you're up when it comes to driver's ed, because I want no part of that. Now we ended up both doing a little bit of that, but on both ends, but you know, it's, it's really what your vibe is. I like that. I just, I know that. So again, I had three boys and I just made the assumption that my husband was going to take care of the birds and the bees talk with the three boys <laughs> because he's a boy. <laughs> and it occurred to me to ask him one day, you know, the kids were already teenagers. Hey, by the way, did you ever have that talk with them? And he was like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so I thought, what do you mean? Maybe. <laughs> and, you know, Nowadays, they don't need their dad or mom to give them that information. That information is widely available. And so then I thought, well, I wonder what the source of their information actually was. Do you think it's too late to have that talk with them? (laughs) As you were talking about this plan, I thought that would have been so great to have Mm -hmm. pre-planned who is going to do that and when. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I can think of so many issues that would have been avoided if we had had a plan, if we had had any intentionality. I'm imagining, okay, so I still have some youngers at home. I have grown kids. I have nine altogether. So my oldest is almost 28 and I have three grandkids with from her. <laughs> and then all the way down to my youngest that just turned 10. 
<clears throat> and so I still do. I have five at home still. So I'm imagining it's not too late. I'm thinking for listeners to imagine, how could you implement this? Now, okay, Kristen, you have an amazing book with an amazing accompanying journal. And so I would say, ooh, number one, get that. But we can talk about that later. But imagining a spiral notebook, not spiral, sorry, a three ring notebook. So three ring binder. And I'm imagining pages that are different topics. I could keep it in alphabetical order. And then as magazine articles come up or I find something online that I want to print, I can put them behind that topic. So I'm thinking like right now, my teenagers, financial skills. I mean, I could create some intentionality right now about that. Driving, um, driving your friends, paying for your insurance. I mean, there's so many different things that I could still be intentional about. Is that, am I kind of getting the gist of how we could implement that? Yeah, I, I think that's perfect because that's exactly that's exactly what it's for is, is to think ahead and to break the teaching up into little bits and pieces along the way. So you aren't giving them so much information all at once, especially as teenagers. So, you know, you check in with them. I love the idea of being able to give them a heads up. So for example, with the financial um, situation that you brought up, Maybe, you know, um, they're in middle school and you say, hey, you know, when you get into high school and you're driving, you're going to have to pitch in for gas. And so I want you to know that ahead of time, rather than they're headed out the door and you're like, hey, are you going to pitch in for gas? And they weren't expecting that. And so, you know, it, it gives you an opportunity to give them a heads up, talk about it. They can kind of mull that over and prepare for it. And then when the time comes, they're ready. And it does, it saves so much heartache. It, it, again, it's not going to be, it's not like you're going to be, you know, Snow White uh, singing through the forest with birds on your, sh- you know, shoulder and it's <laughs> the perfect teenage years, but it eliminates, I think, a lot of, of topics and issues that parents have, especially with teenagers um, that are, it's unnecessary to have so much heartache over, over that. So yes, and however, whether it's a three ring binder, however you set that up is the perfect way because that's going to be how you're going to use it. If I tell you to set it up a certain way, you may not use it. It may not lend it. So some people like to write in a notebook. Some people prefer to have it in an app on, on their phone. I think the only important thing is, is that it's accessible to um, whoever's doing the parenting and it's accessible if, if as the kids are older, so they can look through and say, huh, I came in late last night and, and I didn't call mom and dad. And I know we have a plan for this, or I know eventually I'm going to have to help pay for car insurance. When was I have to, you know, when do I need to, and they're, they're looking through. So whatever is useful. Yes. So you talk about that a lot in your book about parents needing to create that unique perspective. And I love that that was one of the questions I was going to get to um, because that is something that you emphasize is coming at it from your unique family values. Um, And so hitting on that, are there like what general, I know you said there's no hard and fast rules, but what general rules, and I'll kind of give you a little leading in my question here the acronym ideas, what general ideas 
would you tell our listeners to look at? <clears throat> um, so I do use the I do use the word ideas to break down kind of the thought process that you can go through to create these plans. So, you know, I stands for imagine your concerns. So sometimes you don't need to imagine them. They're the concern is the concern and it's it's current and it's keeping you up at night. But looking ahead, you know, um, what are things that you want to plan for? And again, it can be things that you want to teach, like financial management. It could be um, talks you want to have. It could be maybe a big vacation you want to take as a family, whatever you would need to plan for ahead of time. What are those things? And you can create a, a big list of those. That doesn't mean you need to do all the planning within the week. You know, just pick those top three and then work from there. But create that list. And then the next is D. Um, ID and D stands for develop your strategies. That could be brainstorming. It could be relying on how you were parented. It could be uh, doing research, um, checking out some books, taking a parenting class. Um, it could be observing other people parenting. You know, you watch sitcoms, you see, uh, you know, people parenting um, and TV shows and movies at the theater, at the mall. You know, what is working for them, what's not. Um, relying on your parenting network, those kinds of things. So what are your strategies going to be? You might already know. You might already have a strategy set up, maybe for a bedtime routine, or you might not, and you might need to do some research. So pull that together. E is enlist others. Um, I, I have a saying that I use all the time that parenting is not about um, keeping up with the Joneses, it's about teaming up with the Joneses. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is successful in, in getting their kids to do homework or, or whatever it may be, ask them, you know, how, what's their routine at home? Maybe there's a snippet of that that you can take that will work in your family. So, um, or, you know, everyone in your kid's age group is starting to get online and they're starting to, you know, um, experience the internet or get, get phones. And you can have, you know, ask one parent what plan they use. Another parent may have a good idea for, um, you know, uh, have the kids plug their phone in in your room at night so they're not on it all night or whatever it may be. Team up with those good ideas and strategies. Um, so having a good parenting group is, is important. Um, and then the A is for um, author your roadmap, write it down. Um, I tend to be a messy person. I love notebooks. I love to write on paper. I have sticky notes. I mean, I was a first grade teacher. I'm a fanatic of those things, <laughs> markers, gel pens, you name it. And um, so my notes always have a bunch of a sticky note, or like you said, cut out an article or print something out and stick it in there. Um, so however you want to write those notes, it doesn't have to be an outline form or paragraph. It's just whatever are those snippets that you'll remember. And then S stands for solutions. So you have your solutions, you have something that you can lean on. But um, in under that category, I remember, or I want to remember to add that you need to update them as your kids get older. You need to give them more responsibility, pull yourself back a little bit, so update your plans or tweak them. So an example of tweaking those would be, you know, going back to the curfew we had set that we really didn't use too much because we did exactly what you guys, you know, do, just check in with us. Mm -hmm. But I had a daughter that worked at the movie theater and part of her job was she had to work until they closed one night a week. 
And it worked out for her because of a, you know, kind of a funky high school schedule where she didn't need to be in until later the next day. And she was able to stay, you know, we tweaked that for her so she could keep her job and, and said, yeah, that's a reasonable, you know, you can be out until one and that's the system. So you kind of have to have a little bit of flexibility too. So it's just uh, the ideas process just takes you kind of through that mental, um, oh, that's, you know, that's the process that I'm going to do to get my plans down. Okay. So we need to take a break, um, let Terry read a word from our sponsor. And when we come back, we're just going to keep talking to Kristen about how a parenting plan can help families. Did you know that more than 6 million children in America have been diagnosed with ADHD? Many of them struggle in school because of their condition. What if I told you that poor attention may not be the primary cause of their struggles? In a study with more than 5,000 people with ADHD, researchers found that working memory, long-term memory, and processing speed were less efficient than attention skills in every age group of participants. So an intervention that only targets attention might miss the opportunity to work on those other skills we need to think and learn. Learning RX can help you identify which skills may be keeping your child from performing their best. In fact, we've worked with more than 100,000 children and adults who wanted to think and perform better. Learning RX would like to help get your child on the path to a brighter and more confident future. Give Learning RX a call at 866 Brain01 or visit learningrx.com. That's learningrx.com. And we're back talking to Kristen Bucktail, author of Noteworthy Parent Parenting. Noteworthy Parenting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, I've had um, problems pronouncing that word today for some reason, <laughs> even though this podcast is all about parenting. Um, anyway, sometimes we have brain glitches. Yeah. Um, so Kristen, in your book, you talk about the three gears of parenting. Tell us more about what that is. Okay, sure. That's um, a little bit of a different mindset um, to give parents as they move through the process of parenting. So the idea is it's they're like gears in a clock. So one clicks that moves the next one, which moves the next one to move our parenting forward. And the first gear I talk about is um, family bonding. And I think that's a real foundational piece of parenting. And it's often, I believe, overlooked. Um, it's a fun part of parenting, oftentimes sharing those, you know, uh, customs, traditions, holidays, um, dad's Saturday morning pancakes, um, you know, those kinds of things. But those, those activities, those times that you spend with the kids, maybe reading books at night, etc., really help gel and build that trust. And I think that is the part where it enables parents to then be successful at uh, coaching behaviors, which is the next gear. So, you know, typically people might think of that more along the lines of discipline. But when you are, when you look at it as a coaching, from a coaching perspective, it's more giving the kids a heads up. Instead of just focusing on consequences, how can you um, head things off at the pass? Or how can you look at it as I'm mentoring, I'm teaching, um, your child is upset, they're angry, they're throwing a fit. 
give them a little time to burn off that, that heat and that anger and, and then step back and have those conversations and talk with your kids. Um, it, it's it, the kids know that you're going to be there for them. You have that foundation of the, um, the family bonding, the trust, they know you want what's best for them. It just gives you a little bit more of a, a positive perspective to, to include those things as they move together. Lastly, the last one is letting go. And I think letting go is a really hard thing for parents to do. Um, we may teach kids how to set the table and we work with them. So, you know, you, you bonded with your kids and you know that they need a part of the family meal. And their part will be to set the table. So then you move into the coaching behaviors piece where you take time to model setting the table. And then maybe you do it with them for a while. And then you let go of it once they grasp it. So letting go of it sounds easy. But what if they come to you and say, you know, I want to move the napkin to the middle of the plate. Or I, I want to put the silverware in the center of the table. And they want to do it. So are you going to let go and let them try what they think will be successful at setting the table? Are you pretty strict about wanting it to be exactly as you wish? You know, uh, those, those pieces. And I think in letting go, um, it's, it's a practice for uh, when your kids move out and you have to let go. And they're going to do things on their own. You're going to become sort of a parent consultant. They may come to you and ask for advice. But you, um, you aren't really there to always, you know, tell them exactly as, as it should be. They're going to make some mistakes along the way, etc. So there's a piece for us to learn from there too. Let them make some mistakes. Let them try something different. Um, so it's just a continual, you know, the gears are always moving. We're constantly bonding with our kids. We're coaching their behaviors as we go. We're, we're coaching them for, you know, teaching them the financial management piece, all those things. And then it's time for us to let go and let them do it. I love the, the visual analogy, like that I can just picture it. Yeah, the cogs, three gear wheels and how those <laughs> cogs intertwine and all three of them are moving each other and so intertwined. It's just, that's really good. It's a good, I like, it's good visual for me. Yeah. Well, and I, I think it helps from the standpoint that I remember before I went to school to, you know, go back to school to become a teacher as a parent, I always thought you tell them once and then you end up telling them 500 times. And, you mm -hmm. know, you're thinking, are they ever going to learn? Are they ever going to, you know, it becomes exhausting. And then as a teacher, you know, I learned that, you know, you, you model it, you do it with them a lot of times. I mean, that first month of school is just repeating the bathroom routine and everyone practicing it and uh, the whole thing. And I thought it was a real aha moment for me that it's not just about tell them one time and then they should know it. And, and I think it's just such a, it's a parenting misconception. Um, I mean, you know, we all sound like broken records at some point because we're repeating so many times. But when you can think about it in that way, I think it helps parents take a step back and say, this is a normal process. And, um, you know, I'm in the one click and we're, we're a little stuck on this click, but we'll hopefully, you know, we can keep it moving. Yeah. I love um, your vulnerability in talking about some of your experiences. Um, 
So yeah, talking about chores, uh, like you had mentioned the thing about setting the table and to where the napkins go and whatever. And, and that struggle that we have as parents, you know, if I'm, you know, teaching my kid to put the clean dishes away, for example, and you know, the, the silverware has slots and, you know, you have one kid that does it and maybe puts it all away in their slots. And then one kid that just kind of tosses it in there and, you know, and then the, the Tupperware shelf, you know, the Tupperware cabinet or whatever, one kid that likes to nest things and then the lids go in their slots and another that just like it, when it's their month to do it, like things are just chunked in there. And I love that you were so vulnerable and said, um, I never really did come up with a great chore plan. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit more about that, about your experiences and what things you did find that worked. Well, it's it's true. Um, I think one of my weaknesses just, you know, a period is, is getting chores done and, and keeping the house up. And so I, um, I don't know if it's just that artistic kind of mind. I'm not a real, you know, analytical type person. And I kind of, I'm always in the middle of projects. So, um, <laughs> you know, the house was always, you know, a disaster. And I was just in there painting with the kids. <laughs> I love doing stuff like that. And then it would come time that, you know, somebody was coming over and it was like Black Hawk down to clean <laughs> the house. Everybody, you know, I'm barking out orders, people are running, stuff's getting shoved in closets, etc. And and then I would say, I can't, I, we shouldn't, this is terrible. I'm, I'm not teaching the kids. So I would come up with a plan. It would be a, a chore chart or it would be a pull the job out of, I mean, I tried them all. And the problem ended up being, it was me. I, I wasn't consistent. Um, I wasn't consistent with myself. I wasn't modeling consistency. Um, all across the board. And somehow, I, I, the kids know how to do dishes now. They know how to do the chores. I don't know how they learned it because it, it must have just been the random attempts and, and you know, 20 times over that, that they finally caught on. But I can't really claim that I did great at that piece of parenting. <laughs> so you're right. And I thought it was important to put that in there because mm. That's who I was and, um, and still am today. So if you're coming by, give me a little heads up. But, uh, <laughs> you know I, what, I can completely relate to this. Exactly. I, like, everything looks so perfect behind me, right? I spend a lot of <laughs> oh, time yeah. on the visuals, right? <laughs> but if you look in front of me, it's a wreck. <laughs> it's an absolute wreck. In fact, I'm speaking at a home educators conference next week on um, ADHD. And, you know, one of the tips is to let your kids use sticky notes. Well, I took a photograph of my own desk and the 48 sticky notes that are just everywhere in <laughs> no particular order, or any sense of organization, because I have ADHD too. And so anyway, I can completely relate. And, and so the kind of the rule that we kind of have in our house is the common area needs to stay clean, but I'm tired of arguing about the bedrooms. I just, I just was. Yeah. And so, okay, live in it is kind of where I landed. Um, we had our windows cleaned professionally last week Ooh, and only on the outside, right? The outside. So I figured it's fine. They're not going to see the bedrooms. 
Well, how do you think they have to get onto the third floor window <laughs> exterior to clean it? They have to climb through the bedroom window, which belongs to my 17-year-old son. I was mortified. Oh, no. Mortified. <laughs> you can't even see the color of his carpet because there's stuff everywhere. <laughs> I'm apologizing. And the guy's like, oh, no, it reminded me of being a teenager, <laughs> crawling under the desk, so embarrassed. <laughs> so I get it. I appreciate that as moms, we mm-hmm. can just say, we're not going to get it all right. You know, yeah. you just yeah. you choose the rules that you can live with. Well, I appreciate you saying that. So now when I have the windows cleaned, I have a heads up on that. So I appreciate you being in my parenting network because I still have a few living at home here. So (laughs) that's good to know. Hey, I'm just jealous you got your windows cleaned. Wow. (laughs) It was time. Oh, yeah. I think it's way overdue, but (laughs) at my house, but yeah. Me too. So talk to me or talk to us about what it looks like when you need to make adjustments to the plan that you've made. Like, okay, let me give you an example. So I, before I was a psychologist, I was an early childhood curriculum specialist, child development specialist. And so I had these grand ideas that my young children were not going to watch television. I mean, there was just, (laughs) there are too many other ways that we can entertain and engage our children in learning experiences and they do not need to watch TV. Mm -hmm. Well, that didn't really work out so well. I needed to take a shower when my children were too. And so let's put them in front of a video so mommy can rinse off. Right. And Mm -hmm. so you can have this, the best laid plans, but you're going to have to make adjustments. And so what does that process of adjusting your plan look like? Well, I think when you, you, you've set a plan and, and actually when you say this, what comes to mind is. I would have, um, I I had this one in particular parent-teacher conference, and um, this family was really struggling with their son and in his behavior, and they had gone and taken a parenting class, and they were following it to the letter, and it was not working for them. And so as we were talking, I I said, well, what what is, you know, is anything working for you? And actually, most of the plan was working. But there were a few things that weren't working that, that if they would have just adjusted the time frame a little bit, um, you know, instead of sticking to something that was a little bit too routine for their family life and opening that piece up a little bit, um, that's really all it took was just sitting back and thinking, what is the little piece here that's not working? And how can we fix that instead of starting all the way from scratch? There may be times you have to start from scratch. We're all human. We all think, you know, my kids are only going to eat carrots and apples and they are never going to have a cookie. And my daughter's not going to date till she's 40 and all those things. But when reality hits, we do have to, you know, take, take a step back and say, okay, I wasn't expecting them to ask about, you know, sex at 10 years old. I wasn't expecting them to, you know, go to a birthday party at five and now they're eating cookies and cake, uh, whatever it may be. And, and say, okay, how can I tweak what I thought I was going to do and, and make it work for our family. And sometimes it might even be, I'm sorry, guys, I really thought this was going to be a good plan. Like, you know, having a chore chart and it's not. (laughs) So we're going to try something else, you know, 
and and roll with it. And it's good for kids to see that. It's good for kids to see, right, that we we make mistakes or we update our plan or we tweak it because what is happening is it's it's just not working. Mm-hmm. So what and I'm hearing you say is the plan is works for you. The plan is to help you. You're not a slave to the plan. No. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No. And then I think talk to us about um, how you might have to modify or tweak or change that plan depending on different kids and their different bents. Because I'm thinking of um, there are certain expectations or rules or guidelines or plans that well fit, you know, some of my kids and that don't, you know, work well with some of my other kids, you know, like I've got two teenage sons that are so different. They're just about a year and a half apart, but one is very, very academic minded. He's extremely introverted. Um, you know, he's, he's cautious, just a very different personality. And then my other son is, you know, personality driven, social, emotional, you know, just run, 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 go do be with friends. And so I couldn't, I've learned, I can't have the same sort of guidelines and expectations and rules for them um, academically, socially, for being joining the family, for being home with the family, for joining in on group activities. So talk to us about that and how do kids feel about that when things are different for different kids? You know, I think that's great. I I think that's a really important point. And there's a saying out there, I'm not going to be able to remember who said it. um, And I'm going to probably, you know, mess it up a little bit. But in general, um, you know, equal is not exactly what that child needs in the moment. So an example of that from my teaching years would have been, you know, one child is reading beyond grade level. They can sit and read independently, whereas another child is, is still stuck on their letter sounds. So the child that's still stuck on their letter sounds, they need more of my attention at that point. That's where their needs are. The other child doesn't necessarily need uh, my attention. So, you know, I think in general, having the, um, the conversations with your kids over time and, and just that Um, culture in your family. Not everybody's going to get the exact same down to the cent Christmas present uh, expenditure that I can't do that. Like I just can't. And sometimes it might look like, you know, one has, you know, five presents and the other one has three and, and um, you know, you, you just, it balances out in the end is what I say all the time. It just balances out in the end. So an example of that in my household is, you know, the kids graduated from high school, they um, all went off and and started college, and some of them went through and graduated, and others have had time where they've taken off for different reasons. And so what we've done is we charge them rent. So if you're not in school, you pay rent. If you are in school, you don't. And so they've kind of come in and out of that. So some of my kids have never had to pay rent. While others have, you know, kind of come in and out of that, um, you know, that situation. And I think they look at it as, um, I, I mean, no one's ever come to me and complained about that or said much. And it could be because all along it has just been, 
you know, that's not fair or whatever. It's like, hey, it all balances out in the end. And then the second that I see that it balanced out or the other one, you know, got something that was maybe a little better, I'd say, see, it all balances <laughs> out. <laughs> so, you know, I think part of that is your culture and your family and how you manage that. And then um, the other part is what makes sense. It does make sense for somebody to pay rent if they're not in school. Um, so everyone kind of thought, well, well, I guess, you know, that's a good system. <laughs> yeah. Except the rent payer. They may not have thought that was a good system. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I saw a sign in my son's sixth grade social studies classroom that said, uh, fair does not mean that everybody gets the same thing. Fair means everybody gets what they need. And Ooh, so, that's it. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so Wait, I never it again. That is that. so good. Say it again for our listeners. Fair does not mean everyone gets the same thing. Fair means everyone gets what they need. Gosh, and so good. it's okay if you make accommodations for some of your children and not for others because their needs are dictating those accommodations. Right. Um, or good. time or yeah. money for something or right. right whatever it is yeah exactly so, yeah, I'm thinking my like the example i was kind of thinking of was was canyon my son that's much more introverted um and we've i've just always kind of had this thing that when i mean it was like the it's it, i didn't create a plan i know i wasn't that intentional whatever but we still had an expectation and it was kind of the family thing that when i mean like we have family dinner and everybody comes to dinner and like, we all come at the same time and we gather and, you know, say a little prayer and we get our plates and we sit down and have family dinner, dinner together and everybody comes, you don't bring a book, you don't have a phone, you know, we have family dinner and we have conversation and we connect. And this, it started to really become a fight with Canyon. And I saw it some, even with my daughter, Eliza, but unfortunately with Eliza, she was the guinea pig where I was learning and I didn't handle it well. And I would try to force her to be part of things. And that didn't work very well. She's also much more introverted. And so then with Canyon, he actually then, you know, got really upset with me at one point and said, I'm exhausted after a day of school. I need to be away from people. It's, it's not good for me to be around the family. Like, fine, I'll come, but I'm not there. I'm going to cross my arms. And you know what I mean? That he, that was just the boundary and the space he needed. He needed to come home from school and not have to be inundated with this big family. And man, that was eye-opening. It wasn't fair that I, like I'm trying to apply that thing, that statement. It wasn't fair that I was trying to make him do what was equal instead of what he needed. Mm, yeah. And that has really changed as I've Unfortunately, my older guinea pig kids suffered a lot more than the younger ones that are at home now that, you know, I'm, I've learned and I'm doing better. Oh my goodness. And speaking about a parenting plan, your roadmap, don't, don't you think your older kids were the guinea pigs and you change that roadmap as you learn things? Oh, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, and, and um, even now looking back and, and seeing my, um, daughter and her husband, you know, raise my grandson, um, and different things and, and stuff that they try and have learned. I'm like, Oh, that would have been great if I would have known that or whatever it is. Um, e exactly. Uh, um, 
I, and I feel the same way, you know, the older kids are definitely the guinea pigs and, and, um, and the younger kids benefit from that. Um, I'm sure if nothing else, they benefit from the fact that we're, we're worn down a little bit more, <laughs> um, I think. And, you know, yes, yeah, so you, you know, you said, you know, you didn't have a, a plan, et cetera. And I didn't really either in the beginning. And it would have been nice uh, had I had this epiphany sooner. I'm sure it would have been more helpful, even with some of the issues when the kids were younger. And, um, but that's what brings us to where we are today. And it makes our kids what they are today. So there is that sense of, um, you know, we're learning at the same time, and that's okay, too. So it's not to take away from that necessarily, or make us feel like we're, you know, not good parents, because we're not thinking ahead more of the mindset that there is so much more going on in society today with society itself, also mm -hmm. technology, that I think parenting is just so much harder. Yeah. It's, it's not a, an, a thing where we can just do it by instinct anymore. Um, and not that you ever necessarily could, uh, maybe back in the, the, you know, crossing the prairie days, um, you know, they were just focused on survival, I'm sure at that point. Um, but they didn't have all this extra stuff to think about. So I think that mental burden and load is where the parenting plan really hits its stride because it takes those things that can be somewhat predictable, gives you confidence because you have um, a foundation to go from. And But I don't want anyone to think that. And I really stress in the book, it's not about being perfect. It's about the power in your plan. I was not perfect by any means, which you will find out in the, you know, by reading the book or following me. But I think it is about taking time to be, you know, intentional to the best of our ability, for sure, which is going to require us to change plans a little bit here and there, too. So tell our listeners what the book actually is. Like, what would they get when they order the book? Okay. When you get the book, uh, I talk about having a uh, you know, pen and paper handy. I, uh, it's an active read. I have a lot of illustrations in there because I want the book to be a quick, easy read for parents so that they can get started on their own parenting plan. So it's, it's a launching pad. It's here's the ideas, which was the acronym we talked about earlier to kind of think about how you're going to start your parenting plan. I give some, um, kind of some, um, road stops that, you know, uh, talk about my situation or something that I've seen that relates to parenting um, and, and issues that we've had along the way. I have sections in there that they can take notes. Um, I I would love if anyone ever had the book and they they highlighted it and they folded pages down and they wrote in the margins. I would love to see that because I really want it to be an active read for them. And then it correlates to um, the journal, the companion journal, where it's laid out by age so that parents can go ahead and start right away putting their notes in there. Um, but I, I also encourage people to do, you know, you don't have to have the, the, the companion journal necessarily. Um, it's a good launching pad if you prefer to have it online or whatever. So I talk about not being perfect. I talk about um, how you can start your own parenting notes. Um, I don't tell people how to parent. Uh, that is the path. That's the journey that they're on. And there are a lot of wonderful, fantastic experts out there. I am not that. I am just the take all of those notes, all of those ideas, all of the advice, 
and funnel it down into what works for you. So um, it's a lot of examples and kind of um, getting people to uh, getting their mind moving and rolling and aha moments so that they can start um, being the best parent that they feel like they'll be able to be and not letting those things fall through the cracks. I love that. Um, It's a a delightful book. I just want to say, I mean, it's, it is colorful, fun, uh, really quick, easy to read. Um, It's, and I'm not going to, I don't know how to explain it. Like for people that can't see on the YouTube video, but there are parts of it that almost have the feel of a coloring book, which sounds incredibly weird. I don't know how to describe it, but the illustrations are just super fun. And like we talked about the gears, like there's an illustration of the gears. And I think, yeah, it's so, um, it's so interactive that it, it definitely invites, um, learning on a more full cognitive level that's going to create change in our lives as a parent. So whether you ever take the time to actually implement and create this wonderful three ring binder to the journal or whatever, if you just go through this book and read and learn and take notes, you are going to learn and retain a thousand times more than a regular little book. Oh, cause it's like an eight by 10 size. It's, it's just yummy. It's very yummy. <laughs> oh, I love that. Thank you. <laughs> yummy. Well, and you know, do you, don't you get the vibe that, that parents, young parents today are so overwhelmed and, and disheartened with parenting and, and there are so many wonderful, good aspects to it. They need a little positive uh, positivity, yeah. you know, and I, I hope I, I hope that people that read it get a chuckle out of it and um, amusement at the uh, amusement and at the same time, um, you know, uh, see uh, that the illustrations are there to demonstrate that, you know, sometimes parenting is hard, sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's silly. Mm-hmm. you know, whatever that may be. But um, yes. thank you. Thank you so much for that. It is very <laughs> delightful. I'm not sure there's, ooh, I like really advocate for this book. I'm not sure there's one I've advocated for more that we've <laughs> interviewed anyone. Oh, thank right. you. <laughs> thank you. Really delightful. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you thank also have a website with lots of resources. Tell uh, listeners where they can find you and what's available on your web- website. Sure. They can find me at noteworthyparenting.com. And I have a blog there. I also have a guest blog where sometimes parents reach out and they have a good idea and I let them write there a good idea. We post it up on the, on the website. Sometimes it's authors. Sometimes it's a mom that lives in my neighborhood, whatever it may be. But a lot of different resources there. I have a newsletter, newsletter where I do um, a parenting top 10 um, tips for the month. And those are kind of fun. And they're across the board for young parents, for parents of teenagers. Um, and I really like to just plant seeds. So I plant the seeds in that blog. I plant the seeds on everything I do for parents to go, Hmm, I might try this. I might try that. Or that gets me thinking further along the path of what I want to do with my kids. So, um, and, and, um, occasionally, I get to do podcasts like this, which is fun. Um, and then, you know, some speaking engagement. So they'll, they'll find all that information on the website there. Excellent. Is there anything that you haven't gotten to say that you want to say? 
Um, actually, just I have had a great time here. And thank you so much for having me. So um, I think we've covered just about most of the things in the book. And just want to, you know, I just continue to enjoy interacting with parents and and sharing those uh, those fun and uh, you know plenty fun things and planting the seeds for them to grow as parents as well. So that's that's it. Awesome. All right. Well, it has absolutely been a pleasure to have you on the show today, Kristen. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank, thank you. you for taking time out of yeah. your morning to be with us. Um, and offering these great insights on why it's important to create a parenting plan and some tips on how to do that. Um, So listeners, if you would like more information about Kristen's work, uh, like she said, her website is noteworthyparenting.com. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram at noteworthyparenting.com. Oh my goodness. I cannot say <laughs> no, the word today. No Please worthy say. parenting. That's her handle. Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> Noteworthy parenting. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. We'll put those links and handles in the show notes, as well as a link to her book and companion journal called Noteworthy Parenting. <laughs> How to use your own ideas to create your parenting roadmap. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. If you loved our show, we would love it if you would leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you would rather watch us where you can see examples of what's inside Kristen's book, we are on YouTube. And you can find us um, on every social media channel and platform at The Brainy Moms. So look, until next time, we know that you're busy moms and we're busy moms. So we're out. See ya.